Hello and welcome in. It's the PHNX Cardinals podcast, your premier Arizona Cardinal podcast. Like and subscribe. Leave us a five-star wherever you get your programming. I'm Johnny Venerable. He is Bo Brock. We're going to talk all things Cardinal football today. Marvin Harrison Jr. and company. Jonathan Gannon's first year in recap. Uh, but we would be remiss if we did not acknowledge uh, the shooting, the mass shooting that took place in Kansas City today during the Super Bowl parade. Uh, the one life and counting that was lost numerous other people injured uh thoughts and prayers from this podcast from this network to the people affected Bo, by this tragedy that that desperately needs to end in this country yeah senseless in every every i guess sense of the word no doubt about it uh just brutal news coming out of what should be a celebration and it's just terrible and as you said i, I echo what you what you mentioned and our thoughts our prayers positive vibes, whatever it may be, uh, go out to those of impacted, everybody involved, um, those who lost somebody today, and obviously reports of multiple children involved. Uh, just just awful, tragic news and what should have been just celebration of the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, truly horrifying um, when you talk about football uh, bringing people together. And I know Kansas City's had a couple of these Super Bowl parades by now but you think about uh, a day where parents are probably pulling kids from school and it's a special moment for families and friends and um for this to continually happen is is unacceptable and it's uh incredibly disheartening as uh, to the hosts here that are uh, you know active fathers and it just it, it it got you at your core um and it's it makes things exponentially more difficult uh, as it should um but do want to you know acknowledge everybody in the chat today drop a like on this video what's going on chase what's going on d west michael evans and company great to see you all today and um maybe we can take you know take your mind and give you some peace of mind here as we talk a little cardinal football uh marvin harrison jr uh very uh consistent topic of discussion on this program as he will be uh leading up to the 2024 nfl draft and bo you look throughout the landscape of betting sites and uh, mm -hmm. i mean it's not hard to uh connect the dots if you will as it relates to mhj ending up in the desert so much so that the folks in vegas are are getting their hands in the game <laughs> they absolutely are i'll say this we just posted our mock draft tracker on instagram and it uh just took some of the i guess top mock draft ac experts out there and and see where they are kind of get a pulse of it I even went to our social media uh, lead, Michaela Perkins, and say, hey, I want to do this. I like this concept. She was like, is anybody mocking anybody for outside of Marvin Harrison? And I was like, believe it or not, yeah. I mean, there's a couple trade downs that Johnny yeah. has on our mock draft tracker. You can find it, gophnx.com, and we have a couple of the fourth overall selections that are being mocked to the Cardinals outside of MHJ. And there's a few, and it's Roma Dunze, and it's Malik Neighbors. It's it's all wide receivers for what I'm seeing Johnny, but you know, the, the guy that consistently is coming to the Arizona Cardinals is the guy that we've been pounding the table for the Ohio state wideout son of Marvin Harrison, Marvin Harrison jr. And it's, it's, it's unbelievable. I can't believe that, you know, the Cardinals luck. I mean, it usually is, you know, synonymous with not synonymous, but right on par with the luck of the Irish, which isn't great luck at all. And the Arizona Cardinals to have a generational type prospect continually be, you know, connected to them, it's fantastic. And, and then you, 
it's it could all be a moot point if he doesn't end up coming to the desert. But if he does, I mean, this is a game changing type talent that could be wearing a Cardinals uniform realistically as early as you know rookie minicamp in April. AR in the chat. This is starting to feel like Sean Payton to Arizona. Try not to get my hopes <laughs> up. That's probably one of the most relatable comments. Sure. Uh, the difference there is that took trade acquisition, draft capital, compensation in the form of what fifteen plus million for Michael Bidwell, which was always the biggest hurdle. Um, I, I listen. I think that I think it's going to happen. Um, nothing's a sure thing until we get to April, but I think we're going to know much more in the coming weeks. And I think back to last year's combine. Um, and you and I were, were religiously checking the betting odds because the folks in Vegas are, are very tapped in. And I remember seeing, and I think we even cut a short for it afterwards, Will Anderson Jr. wasn't necessarily, it wasn't specific to the Cardinals. It was specific to pick three. And Will Anderson Jr. all throughout late February, March, and into early April had minus odds to go third overall. And I, you know, I, we did it short. I think it's still up on my Instagram. And I'm like, you're going to throw away money if you do that. That's not happening because we were sourced by multiple people, including Benjamin Albright, that the Cardinals weren't taking Will Anderson Jr. What ended up happening? Well, we were right that he wasn't going to go based on what we were hearing and our sources were right. But then Vegas was also right because Will Anderson Jr. ended up going third overall. It just wasn't to the Arizona Cardinals. And I think, I go back to that example time after time. I'm like, that Vegas had that in like mid-February last year. I remember looking at that and I'm like, wow, they're very confident. Even before mm -hmm. the Jalen Carter stuff and the other quarterbacks were available. And I think back and I'm like, these are the most tapped in people of what they do. Is it a surefire bet? Absolutely not. Nothing's for certain. But I, this is the most dominant mock player to this franchise that I have seen since I have been a fan of this franchise covering this franchise certainly, and then have been recapping mock drafts. I cannot think, and it's going to continue like this until the, until the draft itself and people are only going to double and triple down. And then you'll get people that want to be outliers and just do something different. And I can, I can understand that, but name me somebody that they have drafted or leading up to a draft that was so consistently mocked to Arizona. You can't do it. No, you'd be hard pressed certainly to do so. I mean, I think, Maybe Kimes' first year, like you, Jonathan Cooper was was one of those names, but right? There was that other guard too from Alabama. I mean, there were, mm -hmm. there and there were so many options. Even the Murray year, I remember not yeah. knowing if it was Murray until like two weeks before. It was Quinn and Williams. It was Nick Bosa. I mean, right. This is like the most definitive that I have seen in ten plus years. Well, I think people are are coming around to it and, and have paid closer attention. The, you know, the last decade is draft season has has emerged and become more of a fan favorite, right? And people become more in tune with it. Um, and then also you start to kind of get a sense of, with this draft, like that it, the Marvin Harrison Jr. is such a great prospect that he takes all the, you know, the homework that you need to do usually on these prospects out of the equation. Like he's he's that good. Like if, if somebody's telling you different, they're just trying to be contrarian. They're just trying to right. make a name for themselves because you can't turn on Ohio State football and not see number 18 out there and not flash and not come away like, hey, he's one of the best players, if not the best player on the field any given Saturday. Um, so I think Marvin Harrison Jr. With, with the potential run on quarterbacks and the Cardinals just sitting there at four to be in a prime position to get the best non-quarterback, 
I mean, I, I, as much as people want to create some sort of debate, some sort of controversy, I don't think that they can. Mar- Marvin Harrison seems to be Teflon to that. He, he seems to be able to uh, combat anybody that's saying like, oh, maybe they should look at Joel Alt. Maybe they should look at old Lou Fashion. Maybe they should look at Malik Neighbors or Roma Dunze again because – Marvin Harrison Jr. is undeniable at that spot with where the Arizona Cardinals are in their rebuild. This Daryl Michael Floyd was heavily mocked when we got him. That's absolutely correct. That probably is the best answer. The, when the Cardinals and that's fifteenth, right? Fifteenth y- overall. Yeah. Well, yeah, somewhere in that neighborhood in twenty twelve, Michael Floyd was consistently mocked to the Cardinals. It's a great callback, even more so than Patrick Peterson because it was Julio Jones and. Von Miller were to drop and Marcel Darius. That's a, that's a great callback. I think, to your point, I, I see people pointing in the chat, and there's some other media outlets here in Arizona that are are trying to be different for the sake of being different. Maybe that's for engagement. Maybe they genuinely believe that, that their opinion is correct. The trade-down situation, of course, is enticing. Of course, that's enticing to say, well, we're going to have three first-rounders for the next three years, like multiple so you have two ones this year, two ones in 2025, two ones in 2026. Does that expedite your rebuild? Absolutely it does. But you also have to consider like it, it's possible, but are you going to get somebody the caliber of player of Marvin Harrison Jr. with those six picks? Think about that. You have to weigh that. You're going to have either three picks or more with Marvin Harrison Jr. or six picks without Marvin Harrison Jr. So those other three picks that you get potentially in a trade down better be worth it. And there's a good chance that they're not going to be worth it. You know, I was thinking about you had a chance to connect with Thomas Dimitrov at the Combine. Mm-hmm. He was a trailblazer, I think, as it relates to making the receiver position a premium when trading up for Julio Jones. And that was heavily mocked. Like, I didn't love that move. And, and people around the NFL criticized it. And you can say what you want. Like, they should have won a Super Bowl with him. He's going to the Hall of Fame one day. I, I, I know I'm a broken record with this narrative like receivers that are this touted outside injury do not bust and rarely do they disappoint it's a position especially with marvin's traits that's that's so i think easy to plug and play at the nfl level not that receiver is easy to play necessarily but the the ability just translates and then marvin it's tenfold because of his abilities i think if you're monty austin ford all you need to do is consistently hit I say all on your first round picks, doubles, triples, the occasional home yeah. run, guys with the highest possible floor. It's the anti Steve Kime. Kime was all it about is. the ceiling could be this, could be this, could be this. Right. The Cardinals need to get back to I want sure things. And as I love Joe Alt, as a, he's my favorite player outside of Marvin in this draft, he gave him some sacks this year. He is not a perfect prospect. Olu Fashionu, does he have the physicality? Malik Neighbors, some question marks maybe about his height. Marvin checks every box, every box. You take the safe player, which, by the way, is a generational prospect. Tommy Felix in the chat saying we need a big wide receiver, period. Didi saying, I don't think we need a wide receiver. I don't think it's what we need. As well, I disagree and to kind of uh, piggyback on what Johnny was saying and Tommy Dimitrioff's kind of approach and how wide receivers are, are really knocking on the door to become a premium position when you talk about a guy who would command 10 to 12 targets a game and would have the ability to separate and, and get himself in a position to get those targets and, and haul in you know, the, the bulk of those passes, and that's, 
that's where it changes. If you're talking about a guy who's going to catch four to five passes, then yeah, fine. You're not going to consider that a premium position, a premium player, and that's not somebody worthy of taking top five. But when you're a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr., who projects to be, you know, uh, with in the same conversation once he hits his prime as, a, you know, a Devontae Adams or even his father, his namesake, Marvin Harrison Sr., that's where you start to say th- these are guys that are going to come in. Huge contracts. These are going to be guys that are going to be commanding the football, uh, you know, double digit times a game. And they're they're well worth it. They're well worth investing in and they're well worth investing the pick. Because when you see the difference between Marvin Harrison and, and the impact he can make and what Joe Alt or Olu Fashionu or Malik Neighbors guys in the other conversations there, because like edge rusher is in the combo. Like there's not a prospect worthy of that. There's there's nope. not a prospect worthy at the cornerback position. There, there's just not. And when Daniel Jeremiah is drop, dropping out on social media that he's done his top 100, it might even be top 50, where he's got 11 receivers, he's got 11 tackles. And Marvin Harrison Jr. is is at the top top of that. And yeah. so you have the ability to take Marvin Harrison Jr. and then at 27 or 35, get a tackle and, and continue to build the lines. And it's it's absurd, you know, the, the wealth at those positions, but to be able to get the top guy when you're going to be sitting in the, was it the catbird seat and in the ability to just dictate the rest of this draft after the three quarterbacks goes, it's, it's an, it's a great position to be in for Monty Austinfort. And I, I want to call something out in the chat. Like if you think the Cardinals would be better off trading down and you think line of scrimmage plays important, like you were not incorrect for thinking that like for sure, just because this podcast is very pro Marvin Harrison jr. At four, like there's a there's a route there's an avenue as much as it you know we joke around I joke around on the show about Marvin or Bus like Cardinals are going to be great either way like Brian in the chat I think puts it well uh, trade down feels nice but at the same time uh, the Suggs situation scares the hell out of me and for those of you who don't know Terrell Suggs Arizona State product once upon a time campaigned for the Cardinals to draft him back when players didn't do that with with this franchise. And the Cardinals had two first round picks and did not take him. And they took, they had two first rounders and both the guys, Bryant Johnson and Calvin Pace were huge busts for them. You know, Calvin Pace had a nice career with the Jets, but sometimes more is not better. Sometimes you go with the sure thing. And, you know, that's why Tyree Kill and Stephon, like these, these guys, that's why Justin Jefferson could command two to three first rounders, you know, as a a trade target. Like they're worth that. Uh, Chase, do you think they package 27 which is the houston pick bow and another pick to move up to snag somebody that they covet the back half of the first round it's going to be fascinating to hear when we go to indianapolis you know what kind of the the vibe is as far as that pick goes um i've like is there going to be a player that's going to be sandwiched between four and 27 that monty austin for jonathan gannon dave sears are going to fall in love with and say, Hey, this is, this is the guy we need to have on our roster. And like, if they do that, if they do package 27 to get up, like I got to imagine it's going to be a stud, right? It's got to be somebody that's popped on film for, you know, all the decision makers for the Arizona Cardinals. Like, do they have to get up and get a late to Latu out of UCLA or a Dallas Turner? Or it has to be somebody like that. Exactly. Or it's got to be somebody that they've, they, they have conviction in at the tackle position to say, hey, this is somebody, the rest of the league, like 
like Jonathan, or I'm sorry, Monty Austin Ford's going to kind of have his finger on the pulse of the draft board like he did with Paris Johnson Jr. and say, like, they're missing on the guy right now, but I've got a feeling he's going to go before we're on the board or on the clock at 27, and I need him a part of this Cardinals organization. Like, I don't think that that's out of the realm of possibility, but I also think that the Arizona Cardinals would be fully, like, I think that you can trust their scouting enough that they're going to find somebody at 27 with the, the the way that the the depth of this draft class goes at tackle, that they could probably wait back and and pick kind of figure out who they like best to select at that spot. I did a mock draft. Check it out. GoPHNX.com. And I bring that up, Bo. I had them trading up from 27 to 23 with yeah. Houston to take Jurazon Newton. Um, but I bring that up because, you know, going through team needs, and I, I think I was pretty – generous with the talent that I dished out and putting guys where they're projected to go right now. And even though I had them trading up for Newton, just to add a little spice to the draft, like there were a ton of good players at 27 left over. Yeah. Like Chris Jenkins was available, you know, guys like chop Robinson were around there. I mean, their defensive linemen, a plenty, a couple different tackles, like all the guards that you would want, all the interior linemen that you would want. I mean, I think there's a possibility that they could even trade down from 27 within, you know, the final couple picks of the first round just to keep that fifth year option to secure more picks, more draft capital. I, it is not going to be, and we went through the the emotions of watching Houston make that run, which was sickening for us. But I, I there, there's going to be a supremely gifted player or two or three that they're going to have a chance to pick from. I mean, like yeah. George Karlofkis and Trent McDuffie went in the twenties. Tyler Lindemann went in the mid to late twenties. Like Justin Jefferson went in the early twenties. I I'm with you though. If there's a guy that they love that's deemed a top 15 to 17 pick that they absolutely believe is a difference maker. And somehow some way they, they fall into the twenties and they're available and, and the trade package is not backbreaking you got to explore that. That's why you have this added draft capital. But if if you can get to a point where it's just like, we got three to five guys we love at 27, okay, now we can sit yeah. back. We'll see who's available or we'll rank it accordingly. And then we'll manipulate the board on day two. But it, we had this conversation so many times last year. Last year's draft was good. Felt was pretty good. How many people told us, they came on this show at the Combine, wherever, and said, next year's draft is exponentially better mm-hmm. we have about 14 first rounders that we've graded 13 to 14 in last year's draft paris johnson jr being one of them and then of course this year it's like how many guys could go in the first round it's just it's a special class it really is it really is i think you can get you know i was early rankings had tyler guyton just i think at 49 and now he's going to be a top 15 guy and like it i don't think it's a an indictment on the guys that were ranked ahead of him. I think that I think the, that's a guy, by the way, that they. I mean, would you have a problem trading up for him if he fell? Not, not at all, not whatsoever. No. I mean, that's that's a guy that's already expressed his undying love for Kyler Murray, and uh, you know, you can place him right tackle because he was protecting a left-handed quarterback. You swap uh, Paris Johnson Jr. over to the left side, and man, does it! Your first two picks of the draft are already slam dunks. I like. Are you are you seeing Brian's uh, comment in here? Yeah, but real quick, somebody. I love Cardinal fans. Somebody DM'd Tyler Guyton on Instagram and just said Cardinals. Right. And then and then he just hearted the comment. And then that I think one of the Cardinal Twitter accounts on on Twitter and it just made. I think it was Vic. I think it was people just bombarding draft prospects. 
Cardinals, Cardinals. Yeah. Of course the prospects are gonna make. Yeah, yeah, Cardinal. yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's it's unbelievable. Uh, but Brian here in the chat and roasting and also complimenting our guy Johnny Venerable for his mock draft. Johnny did good job on the PHNX mock draft, but on here he's meh. <laughs> as far as our mock drafts that we do live on the show. It's I thought that, I got like three days to sit and stew on that. Our yeah. mock drafts, I'm I'm beholden to PFF simulator, which as you saw yesterday can be a little dicey. It is. It's, it's out of control right now. We're going to have to reach out to our friends over at PFF and tell them to, we might maybe just need re- to make every pick in the first round one day and have an entire show dedicated. Let's to do it. it. But I, I think that fun. they got to recalibrate that thing. It's out of yeah. control right now. It's, it really yeah. is. Let's see. Everybody's loving Han shot first here in the comments. Let's see what it was. Drafting MHJ would do so much for the team's culture and fan base. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. is an elite prospect. This franchise deserves. Monty will still have plenty of draft ammo to build the trenches with playmakers. Completely agree. Completely agree. Ken saying true, so true. Uh, you know, a lot of people backing that comment, and as do I. I th- this is, I don't think it's a hot take, but I do think it matters. Stars matter. Getting people to State Farm Stadium matters. Michael Bidwell cannot love the influx of opposing fans and like people can do what they want with your tickets. Obviously I want you to go to a game. If you're a Cardinal fan, we've endured a lot of losing football and and you need to be able to pay money to watch good product and, and to watch great players. And like, I love the tackles in this draft and but like Marvin Harrison jr. Is just, he's an immediate shot in the arm for this franchise that has, I, I think this franchise has got what about two and a half stars. I think they've got Kyler, they've got Buda Baker. And then I think Trey McBride is, is on the cusp of being a star player. Those are like the true star players. Yeah. I mean, like we I've told this story before. You go around the East Valley or wherever in, in Phoenix and you go to a Dick's or a Shields or whatever. I mean, there are Cardinal jerseys and then there are Hollywood Brown jerseys. Hollywood Brown, who was basically a non-factor while he was here and, and is about to join another team. Like the, the the sweet part about Marvin Harrison is you get all the minutiae on the field that you want. And then he is just a cash cow marketing yeah. dream off the field dad hall of famer legacy player you know works incredibly hard incredibly personable right physically imposing like I, you just you know that marketing team with the cardinals got to be like come on now as much as we'd love another first round tackle get us somebody that we can use to promote this franchise because i mean like in their peak they had number 11 number 81 and that was getting people to back then university of phoenix stadium now state farm stadium right. I mean, it's he's he's got the skill set, the size, everything you want that's going to dominate a highlight reel. Yeah, and that's that's a part of this. And you have a quarterback that has that ability as well. And you couple them together. Oh, you might have a little magic there. And is is it is it unfair as I see you know Hollywood Brown, <laughs> BA in the comments saying Hollywood about to be in the unemployment line, and you know Hollywood Brown is un, unfortunately a, a bit of a victim of uh the injury bug at the end of last season especially during a contract year but i think at the same time kind of know who he is at this point in his career he's got one 1000 yard season receiving season and as far as he's 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 not exactly the type as far as wide receiver size that Monty Awesome Fort and Drew Petsing really truly want out there but is it too early to say like because Ojolari has 18 would we want to see Maserati Marvin in number two jersey? Would do we want no to see one no. plus two equals six? I think single digits on Marvin would be a godsend. It'd be a beautiful thing if that's what he <laughs> wants. If that's his journey, his NFL jersey, 
uh yeah. let's nfl jersey journey let's let's make that happen um little inside baseball i hope to have more before we leave for the combine on the future of hollywood brown in arizona i think we're all quick to say including myself he's done i think he's done as well i will have a pretty definitive idea of what and how they value him if at all before we leave for the combine so so stay tuned for that it's a fascinating conversation debate because I think he could, after seeing the last two offseason and, and seeing some wide receivers that are talented, their market their market just completely collapse. Like, if you close the door now, I don't think it closes the door potentially down the road if he's a yeah. guy that's sitting there at the end of March without a contract. How many times have we seen a, a position group that was flushed in the draft then get put on the back burner free agency and tell everybody, hey guys, we'll check back in in May. I, I is that going to surprise yeah. anybody? I think if Hollywood Brown wants a one year prove it deal, he can get that in March from somebody else. Absolutely. If if he wants a big guaranteed contract, there are going to be like eight to ten teams that say, you know, we've got the cap space, but we also like X player from X university and and hope that they fall to us. Plans. You know, it's always that we do our, our draft recap and it's the influx of undrafted free agents that sign that Sunday, Bo. But then it's like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, guys start coming in for visits. Guys start coming in for physicals from other teams that haven't yeah. been signed yet. So I think that's definitely a possibility. And I think it's a possibility for the Cardinals. Like in our mock draft that we had yesterday, we took, you know, Rice in the third round. But that, you know, if Hollywood's available like that's that's a scenario in which you could see him return if he hasn't signed with somebody but again like I it's gonna be tough because if they don't get Marvin at, at four I have no confidence in them getting somebody that I love at 27 or 35 it is it is that special of a, of a receiver class and we have seen how much these franchises covet receivers early they go mm -hmm. so fast uh, a lot of a lot of debate over the number. Rudy saying, "What about he wears number eighty-eight like his dad?" You know, I think he had an opportunity to do that at Ohio State and decided uh, he wanted to kind of make his own mark. And I think that goes for the same about what Jesus is saying. If the Cardinals draft MHJ, they could possibly have Larry pass him eleven. Same thing. I think he wants to kind of carve out his own way here yeah. at the at the pro level. Bananas, epic gaming. Saying Marvin wears ten or six. Six belongs to to James Connor. So Connor's going to hold on to six. Ten currently belongs to Josh Woods, uh, who I believe is a is an impending free agent. So maybe ten could be an option for for Marv. But I like two a lot since somebody I do. brought that up. I like that, and it's not just because Tyler and yeah, that's that's a great recommendation. <laughs> I think Marvin in two is is pretty special. Let's get to some of these odds, Bo, that are available. Again, tons of different avenues, but one common denominator and that's marvin harrison jr available uh on this respected site minus 175 the next closest yeah that's fd yeah uh that's one of the betting sites they've got it uh, right now it's the only one that has the draft odds up so far uh and then bet ohio had these the ones that i posted on my I, twitter today if you can get that action on the patriots that's just worth it like in the 10% chance that it happens because you and I are both of the mindset. He's not going to be a Chicago bear unless they mortgage picks and trade up for him, which we don't think is likely like that to me is very, very encouraging for Cardinal fans. I mean, minus 175. And I know on the right-hand side, you've got the bears at 250. 
and the Cardinals, I say only at 120 plus 120. I mean, I, I like a lot of what I'm seeing. I like what I'm seeing more so with New England than I do with these other teams. Like, if you were trying to hedge your bet and you were you were part of the cynical camp, which is fine, that the Cardinals aren't going to get MHJ, he's going to be a Patriot then. Like, do you agree with that? Yeah, most yes, yes, I do. I mean, that that's that is absolutely emotionally hedging. Um, <laughs> that's which that I'm would, known to do, by the way. Exactly, and it's if you're if you're gonna bet, you know, just the the NFL draft itself with your heart, you know, might, might as well actually bet it with your mind. Uh, you know, using probably a better app than than those those betting sites for sure. But those odds right now. You can get those odds somewhere else. Absolutely. I mean, right now it's it, it, according to Bet Ohio, w- which sent me these odds. It, they, I mean, they've got Marv still at plus money, but he's still a forty-five cent, five percent chance of landing with the Arizona Cardinals, which is the best in the NFL. That's before free agency. That's before combine. Yeah. Uh, those are fine odds. The best odds come from our friends at BetMGM. Uh, no props yet, but they they come. Uh, you can dabble. Uh, ahead of the NFL draft. I promise we'll let you know just as soon as they're available. They will be the best because they are the best at BetMGM. Bet5, get 150 instantly. All you got to do, download the BetMGM Sportsbook app on your iOS or Android device or check them out on uh, your laptop, desktop, BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit at least 5 bucks in your newly created account. Place a wager in the amount of a five spot at standard odds price. And uh, plug in that bonus code PHNX. Tell them PHNX Cardinals sent you. Once you place your bet, you're going to get 150 in bonus bets, regardless of the outcome of your wager. So if you're dabbling on, let's say, the Phoenix Suns money line, put a five spot on there, and they win, you get the payout of the initial five plus 150 in bonus bets. If they lose, you still get the bonus bets by signing up with BetMGM. The bonus code is PHNX. Again, five gets you 150. Check out the show notes for full details. Now listen to my guy, Dave and Dog, talk about it in the disclaimer. Promo code 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369-NY. Call 1-800-327-5050, Massachusetts. 21 plus to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP-ARIZONA, 1-800-BETS-OFF-IOWA, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help Michigan. 1-800-91-0023, Puerto Rico, in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Visit BetMGM.com for terms. This promotional offer is not available in New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Uh, if you are in the market for new flooring, uh, don't wait any longer. Take advantage of our partnership with our friends over at Empire Today. Empire Today is making shopping for flooring easy, convenient, quick. Don't miss out on what they've got going on right now. If you even just want to kind of dabble a little bit, just dip your toe in to looking at new flooring for your condo, your house, wherever it may be, go to empiretoday.com slash PHNX and you'll start your journey with $350 discount. Plus, you can look at their virtual floor designer where they're going to take you through and let you look at what your setting might look like with new flooring. So go to empiretoday.com. It's easy. It's quick. It's convenient. They've got experts on flooring. They don't have somebody that was just working at uh, Jack in the Box down the street a week ago. They got people that are immersed in the flooring world. They know exactly what you're looking for, what would fit your needs. Go to empiretoday.com slash PHNX. Save yourself $350 on a quick, easy, convenient way to get yourself new flooring. Uh, this day a year ago, as you tweeted out, Bo Brock, Jonathan Gannon was introduced as the Arizona Cardinals head coach for the first time, JG, uh, taking over for the, uh, recently dismissed Cliff Kingsbury, 
He's now with the Commanders. Jonathan Gannon, four wins in his debut season with the Arizona Cardinals, but I think we all would agree much more competitive uh, given the state of this roster, given the fact they weren't favored in, in any game this year. Still, uh, it's going to be into 2024 before they're favored in a game. Uh, how would you assess JG's first year on and off the court? Because, I mean, we went through a lot of stuff with the new regime, and you f- and you forget, or at least I do, dating back to last March and April, like the state of this roster and what they had to go through and juggling Kyler Murray's recovery timeline. It was a lot on JG's plate. Yeah, there certainly was. And coming off, you know, Radio Row where Johnny and myself and our GM Saul Bookman and of course the award-winning producer Damon Dog, we were out there and we were kind of getting the pulse from our peers who, who cover, you know, the other 31 teams and, and cover the entire league uh, on Jonathan Gannon in the four-year that was, four-win year that it was. And it kind of echoed what we've been saying on this podcast, like, Despite them losing 13 games for a second consecutive season, this was a no doubt about it slam dunk hire in the direction the Arizona Cardinals is overwhelmingly positive. And that the direction that Monty Ossifort and JG have this team going is, you know, one of the best, I guess, paths right now, I think, in the NFL. They're just set up for success. Now, there's a lot of heavy lifting that they have to do in this offseason, but you know, as far as inside the locker room and as far as schematically and as far as just the brain trust that is JG and Monty, I think that there's a lot of confidence in it. And it uh, was even more, I guess, driven home at Radio Row, just listening to our peers out there, Johnny. Like we'd ask the question, I think, with a month left to go in the season, you know, would you would you tab the JG's first season as, as, an, as a success? And, you know, obviously the, the wins weren't there. But we all saw the direction this organization was going and the buy-in from the players, from the coaching staff, from the front office. And uh, I think that, you know, Jonathan Gannon in a short year right now, because everything was done on the fly, and it was coming off of, you know, preparing for a Super Bowl, losing a Super Bowl, and then the next day you're hired, and then he's immediately to work. It was whirlwind in every sense of the word uh, that it. I think it was an overwhelming success. I, I agree. You think back to the coaching cycle, which dominated our, our day-to-day lives for about three months, right? I mean, we, we're talking about it from mid-November until, I mean, early February. We were at the Super Bowl week last year here in Phoenix, and the Cardinals didn't have a head coach. It was really bizarre. And at that point, we were very much reading the tea leaves. It, it wasn't, thank goodness, going to be Mike Kafka, Luana Rumo. It was going to be John and Gannett. And I remember... First of all, people, you know, scoffing at that, Philadelphia fans celebrating. Um, and then, you know, I it was either Colin Cowherd or, or another show talking up like the Frank Wright hiring and the Frank Wright would never consider the Cardinals. And just things change over the course of the year. And I know Shane Steichen was was good in his situation in Indianapolis, but and of, of course D'Amico Ryans was fantastic. But the Cardinals Cardinals definitely have somebody that I think translates just his side of the ball. That was my biggest concern, like hiring a defensive coach. The NFL is going a different direction. He's an accountability guy. He's a, he's a player's coach, I think, through and through, but he's a 53-man locker leader of men, which is what they have not had since Bruce Arians with respect to Steve Wilkes and Cliff Kingsbury. And I think you you do not have the buying of John and Gannon and company without Monty Austin for it. I, I'm firmly in, uh, in the camp of the of the mindset, Bo, that John and Gannon, 
does he consider the Cardinals opening without Austin Ford courting him here without discussions about this is what we're going to do to attack the draft and tweaks in free agency and, and upgrading the facility and making sure we do things our way because mm-hmm. you know Michael Bidwell you know to his credit he hired Austin Ford and he stepped away but it's very different than Michael Bidwell trying to court Sean Payton by himself and I just I feel like we can't talk about Gannon without Austin Ford and mm-hmm. the imprint of what they did and how we both believe they're building something special in Arizona. That makes me probably feel the best out of anything is that Gannon's here to coach and he's here to coach well, and Austin Ford's going to pick the players. And that's, that's the way you drive success in the NFL. But as far as his rookie season goes, I mean, that Philadelphia win, as difficult as it was to watch them get their, you know, brains beaten in against the Niners and the Cleveland debacle, like, it just felt like the Eagles game kind of made everything worth it, even for a four-win team. We we would all preview in that game. I remember you and I were doing our schedule release show. When the schedule came mm-hmm. out, we're like, good hell, that's going to be a bloodbath. That's going to be ugly. <laughs> and they won the game, and they should, right. probably should have won it even more convincingly. I was so happy for Gannon. And if that doesn't show you how bought in his players are, I mean, what are you looking at? What other evidence yeah. do you need? I don't think, you know, Austin Fort and Gannon are not naive to the fact that you have to win, that this is a results league, no doubt about it. But I, I do appreciate that Gannon, uh, especially, like the culture that he's created is based on the process and based on, as you mentioned, accountability. And accountability isn't just a word that you say in a press conference. It's it's yeah. something that they they build their, their organization around. Um, and like... Jonathan Gannon said even after his first win against the Dallas Cowboys where it kind of came out of nowhere like he's kind of he's kind of doesn't like that you know everything is is based on whether you win or lose because you know getting ready and preparing the preparation that you put in that's what it's about the day-to-day stuff and in kind of instilling um you know those that just the consistency in the day-to-day routine that they had. And then I also appreciate, you know, Jonathan Gannon, like looks back, he, he joked in his, in his season end of the season press conference that he wanted to kind of the, the process that he wanted to put in place, he wanted to just burn it to the ground. He's, he's willing at the drop of a hat to, to pivot and go in a different direction. If things aren't going the right way, where the, I think the previous regime, you know, they, they had confidence in their, in their abilities. Cliff is a play caller. Steve Keim is a talent evaluator and a roster architect. Um, and, and those are very nice ways of me putting it. And I'm just doing it for the ability to tell you like that they, they, it was a false confidence, right? It was, it was, it was very empty calories as far as, you know, Cliff had an 11 win season. Cliff had three consecutive seasons where he won more games than the previous season. But then once it got to it, this this team didn't know how to to win consistently like they could do it for they did it for half a season and then they fell apart and i don't think that you're going to see that with this organization that they've got you know the processes in place for six for future success when they get the talent in the door not to bring up the draft again but i think a lot of it ties into it it's like the biggest hesitation that i have with pivoting away from the style of play that help them win games late in the year. Like I, it was such a breath of fresh air to watch Gannon instill a physical mindset with this coaching staff. Like we talk about Nick Rallis and Drew Petsini, rightfully so, but Cardinals have a plus offensive line for a reason. They went and stole the offensive line coach, the co-offensive line coach from Cleveland. They took their strength and conditioning coach. Like they instilled a mindset similar to San Francisco and Cleveland 
we're going to run the football and we're going to be physical. And that I'm just not used to seeing that from this franchise. I'm not used to seeing them win games, albeit late in the year against Pittsburgh and Philadelphia in those respected stadiums. And so it's like, as much as I want MHJ to be a realization come April, mm-hmm. like I, I can talk myself into, yeah, but if you get Joe Alt and you double up on first rounders and you get past rushers and defensive linemen, like, that can also translate to a lot of wins. We've seen this team with, respectfully, Greg Dorch as their number one receiver, put up 30-plus points and, and win games. So I think that should should show you like what the style of play that they're playing, that they're going to play with Kyler Murray in the fold, it works in the NFL. Like if it, Everybody should be running some version of the Shanahan offense because it's incredibly quarterback-friendly. And I, I know Jonathan Gannon can play defense and coach defense because look what happened to Philadelphia this year. And now they're gutting that defense in Philadelphia. So I, I it has been a long time. And again, I say since Bruce Arians, since the Cardinals, and it sounds stupid to say because they had four wins, had a coaching advantage going into games. You felt confident that the, the coaching staff, you know, coming out of the locker room, coming out of half, was going to have their act together and look prepared. One of the biggest indictments of Cliff. Kingsbury during the season you and I covered together, the team looked so unprepared every Sunday to play a football game. It's like they didn't even, I think I confirm with you, you're pra- are they even practicing? And they just wanted to go and out athlete everybody. Like right. you have to take, if you're a rebuilding franchise, the Cardinals not only have to rebuild their roster, but they had to rebuild their image. People, this was a, this franchise was a joke last year. Was. Everybody pointing fingers, laughing at them, radio row, the combine, Gannon and Austin Ford, I think, together have single-handedly flipped the narrative, albeit in one season, of what this team is and what this team can be. And again, I, I know people are reserved to do it, and I understand. You have to give credit to Michael Bidwell for enabling that. For sure, yeah. Uh, for for going out and, and hiring the right guy. And now there were reports that Ian Cunningham turned down the position of, of general manager. And, and sometimes, you know, that that some works to your advantage. Look at Bruce Arians. I mean, throughout that coaching carousel, you know, the Arizona Cardinals were in on some some bigger name head coaches before BA, and they get BA, and BA was the right guy. And yeah. but but to to make the hire of Monty Osfort and basically give him the keys to the organization, and then Monty Osfort to tab Jonathan Gannon, who's somebody he identified the previous summer when he knew that he was going to be in a position to be a, a general manager of a team. Um. Yeah, that that you do have to give credit and, and give credit for something people were asking for to to get the, the decision makers in place and then back off. Right. Let the football guys do the you know control the the football operations standpoint for the Arizona Cardinals. So it's you know now we look forward to what are the next steps because I don't think with the lack of talent on the roster last season, I don't think we got to see Jonathan Gannon what he was made of situationally like. You yeah. don't know, like if if Jonathan Gannon going into overtime and in one challenge last year, right? Yeah, one challenge. Um, you know, as far as you know, were were there really any games where you and I were sitting and nitpicking? You know, decision making, like because this at the end of the season, you know, you're sitting there and you're like, this is a three one team. Why not? Why wouldn't they go for it on fourth down? Why wouldn't they right. be aggressive? And we'll see how that kind of carries over into next season when there's more talent on the roster, when there's more, the stakes are higher, the expectations have raised, but we, we don't really know like 
it going in on a big third down is like Steve Spagnola. Is he going to call, you know, a nickel blitz that's going to just completely blow up what Kyle Shanahan on offense is trying to do. Or if, on the other side, like is Kyle Shanahan, is he going to decide to receive in overtime in the Super Bowl um, and, and put his team maybe behind the eight ball because of a decision he made? Yeah, it's a great point. Like, I think you and I, if we were critical, we were critical of offensive play calling yeah. at times this year with Drew Petzing, which comes with every coordinator. Like, defensively, you're just hanging on for dear life with this group <laughs> last year. It was like, yeah. hey, can they not give up a touchdown? Oh, that, that'd be nice. But then, like, they, Jamar Chase goes for, like, 200 yards and four touchdowns, and I'm like, yeah, I can see that. I can understand that. It's Keetrell Clark and Marco Wilson trying to cover Jamar Chase. Like, I, I think he was you, – you had a grace period. And I think that that gives what credit. did we witness last year? My God, I it was great, <laughs> but that's why like their performances, right? With the personnel they had, like the perfor- the performance against Pittsburgh. I know Pittsburgh's offense was bad, but to, yeah. to to be that dominant with the players that they played, and the fact that a lot of those players are not on the roster, will not be on the team next year, that's a testament to them to what they were preaching in the locker room. Now, offensively. Mm-hmm. I think we're both on the same page. A lot of returning talent should be a top 10 unit. Defensively, though, I mean, that's why like we just laugh because it's it, they need everything. It's outside yeah. of safety. You could make it a case. They need every position um, and just kind of go nuts. I love this super chat here. I want to acknowledge it from some scrub. You're not a scrub to me. Some scrub. 499, <laughs> converted Panthers fan here following this year. We'll, we'll welcome some scrub. Um, first time I've been optimistic about my team. And the upcoming season in forever. Love the show. Thank you so much. Uh, I think it's the most op- opportunistic, optimistic offseason uh, maybe of my adult lifetime. The fact that you have a quarterback, you're not worried about replacing your quarterback, you're not worried about signing your quarterback, your young talent from last year is only going to get better, and you have 10, 11, 13 picks in what is a blue-chip class plus $70 million, it's a really good time to be a Cardinal fan. Yeah, I I think that this is a more, a healthier approach to the offseason. Like before, you know, when the Cardinals went eight and eight, the year after they acquired DeAndre Hopkins, and then they just went shopping. They just went. They had their parents' credit card, and they were they were going to buy. They got JJ Watt. You know, they they were creative as far as they went out and got Jordan Phillips and Devondre Campbell, and you know they didn't. But they didn't take. Uh, they didn't take advantage of you know the draft capital that they had. They, they never took advantage of the first round picks and trying to turn them into impact players. But yeah, this is this is a pivotal offseason as, as they as they as they come. And the Arizona Cardinals have done absolutely right to by themselves to put themselves in a position to immediately get the talent on this roster that's necessary to to contend. Uh, for a playoff, one of the seven playoff spot. Like, are are they going to be able to narrow the gap between them and the San Francisco 49ers, which are, you know, the the ice is getting thinner there in Santa Clara and San Francisco. Maybe it might become easier. But um, I, I'll say, I mean, I think the Arizona Cardinals have put themselves in a position for this offseason to be a blast. Uh, you know, some scrub. Yeah, welcome aboard. Thank you for the kind words. And yeah, this is a good time to be getting in uh, as as to the bird gang going forward. Uh, let's talk about the San Francisco 49ers um, and what's going on in Santa Clara. Cause it's just, it's tough for our guy, Steve Wilkes, but I, I love to see the dysfunction um, as much as I almost love to go to circle K and load up on, I don't know, pizza, coffee, ice cold fountain drinks, and more become a member of the inner circle. Just like me, Bo, our guy, Michael Wilson, 
who's a big fan of Circle K? Well, because it's America's Thirst Stop, and they've got that free new membership program that's going to hook you up, save 25 cents per gallon on your first five fill-ups. Gas is as cheap as ever, especially at Circle K, plus they're going to save you money every single time. Save three cents per gallon moving forward after those first five fill-ups. Join the Inner Circle today by downloading the Circle K app. Find the nearest Circle K to you at circlek.com slash store dash locator bow. Terms and conditions apply at participating locations. Can't wait to get hooked up. Pizza, a little iced coffee, and I'm ready to rock and roll ahead of this offseason. Absolutely. And while you're at Circle K, why don't you purchase some of the new uh, lottery tickets from the Arizona Lottery? They got the Arizona Adventure Lottery tickets now for sale. It, you got the new ticket promotion. It's called Arizona Adventure, and there's three ways to play and win big. You can play Arizona Adventure Lottery tickets featuring three iconic landscapes, Picacho Peak, Monument Value, and Camelback Mountain. These tickets have prizes up to $50,000, or you can check in at azadventure.com for details and directions. Where you can check in, you get geolocated adventures at 10 destinations across the state from Flagstaff all the way over to my beloved Yuma, Arizona. Arizona Lottery is not just playing games. It's about winning prizes. It's also about giving back to the state that they love and their communities. Visit azadventure.com for more information and how you can take an adventure for a chance to win $1 million in cash in Arizona travel prizes. Uh, Steve Wilkes fired by San Francisco head coach Kyle Shanahan uh, after keeping, I would argue, San Francisco in that game without his star inside linebacker, um, what's it? Um, Dre Greenlaw. Dre Greenlaw. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there it is from Rap Sheet. Kyle Shanahan announces on a conference call that he fired Steve Wilkes. Wilkes was uh, coming over from Carolina, was uh, competitive for that head coaching job after looking solid as their interim, didn't get that job, gets the D.C. job, um, and listen, did they have the perfect season? No, but they were the number one seed. They, I thought Steve had a, a pretty solid postseason, a good second half against Detroit. And I also think the Niners defense is a little bit overrated. I think it's older at some spots. Their defensive tackles are old. Their, their cornerback and safety room can get exposed. They, I, all I know is he held Patrick Mahomes to like no like 20 to 20 touchdowns full length of the fields for like three quarters. So in all you know seriousness, I, I I think it's a bad look for Kyle Shanahan. Really bad look. I mean, Kyle Shanahan was he was at odds with Steve Wilkes since that that primetime game against the Vikings where he went yeah. uh all out blitz and Jordan Addison has a big touchdown before halftime and Shanahan's just blasted him in the in the media, you know, the next week and he didn't never really recover. He's calling a timeout during, you know, the Super Bowl. Double check that Wilkes has the right call on. He just, it, it was, they just, they were at odds. They never really yeah. saw eye to eye. Um, but you got to feel for a guy like Steve Wilkes. As you mentioned, coming off, you know, a very successful run as the interim in Carolina, not getting, you know, say what you want about him here in, in, during his, his short stint as Arizona Cardinals head coach. The guy was not set up for success. Steve Kime. No put out one of the worst rosters you'll ever see in the history of the game. And poor Steve Wilkes, Steve Wilkes had to had got it as his one opportunity. And then he goes to San Francisco and he's got one of oh, it was it the fourth best defense in the league. And he's scapegoated. I agree with the chat. He's scapegoated uh, because, you know, the, the Niners couldn't finish the deal against Patrick Mahomes. And that's, it's really unfortunate. And especially at this time in the off season, like where, where can he realistically land? 
right now and, and have a job that he's qualified for uh, at this stage. It's, it's really, it's, it's defeating for a guy like that. It is uh, Steve Kime should have been fired with Steve Wilkes yes. at the end of the, the, the 2018 season. Like if you're for Michael Bidwell and you're pivoting off Steve Wilkes, you should have fired Steve Kime as well. And that was a huge mistake. And that led to what ended up, you know, Steve Wilkes may be contributing to that, to that lawsuit against the Cardinals. And I, it's, it is unfortunate, but at the same time, I think people are going to say, I'm, you know, overreacting. I think this is the beginning of the end for the San Francisco 49ers as a consistent playoff contender and Super Bowl viable team. I, I, the, they have a lot of old talent on the roster. I think Brock Purdy has one more year where he's making no money. Trent Williams is another year older. Bose has been dinged up. Debo Kittle, you know, I could be gone. Like it's a loaded roster, but I think it's built on a house of cards. And I, I think the Niners are closer to maybe a 10, 11 win team last year than they are the number one seed in the, in the NFC. Um, and again, like think about some of these replacement options. Like I think Brandon Staley has a good chance to get that job in San Francisco. Hmm. Think about that. Brandon Staley, um, who couldn't have been more of a turnoff. I know he once upon a time coordinated an overrated defense, but he, he hung on the <laughs> coattails of, of Vic Fangio and Sean McVay. And Raheem Morris was better than him in L.A. So I would love to see the 49ers add Brandon Staley because that, that would be an embarrassment. I, the defense for San Francisco this year was not perfect, but that was an offensive team. They think about the strength of that team. The defense was to play complementary football. I thought the defense played better in the Super Bowl than the offense. Yeah, the offense was basically a no-show the entire second half. Uh, but you know, Shanahan's not going to fire himself. He's not going to crush himself on a conference call with the media, but you're right. I mean, it's how watered down of a, of a DC candidate are they going to get? I mean, they went from Robert Sala to D'Amico Ryan's to Steve Wilkes to who's next. I don't know. I, especially at this stage in the offseason, I think it's going to be Brandon Staley. Then, then good. Like Brandon Staley gets another opportunity. He's going to be, you know, gifted some talented players, but you know, they still have to figure out, you know, what's going on with Ayuk. And I'm telling you like somebody's with a, sitting there with a hairdryer uh, by the ice that Kyle Shanahan and this Niners team is standing on. It's getting thinner and thinner by the minute. And it just works into the hands of the Arizona Cardinals. I'm not saying that you're shutting the window, but man, like things are like with the high expectations and not cashing in on those expectations and now having you know, two opportunities, take a Lombardi trophy back to San Francisco. Um, where are those balloons doing? Uh, <laughs> where did those come from? That's Man, fun. it threw me off. Is that yeah. the cele- celebration that the Niners are, Niners the, are the so-called, you know, <laughs> budding dynasty that they've never won a soup. They haven't won a Super Bowl uh, since the, before the Dallas, Cow- like the Dallas Cowboys have a more recent Super Bowl than the San Francisco 49ers, which is crazy. Um, I think they're going to have a Super Bowl hangover. We saw it in Philadelphia, like, and especially with San Francisco, they've made how many straight NFC championship games? Like this, this, you don't just get over this loss. You, you, you controlled that game. You had multiple chances to put that game away and you, and you blew it. Frankly, you let hangovers are hang real, man. Right. Super Bowl hangovers are real. And they're usually Absolutely. for the team that loses. Over time, you played five quarters and thought you had the game won probably five to 10 different times. And you lost. You lost again. And Kyle Shanahan's going in front of the media. And people are basically just saying, like, what would you do differently? I'm paraphrasing. He's like, nothing. 
Like he loved his game plan, and it's exactly what they wanted to happen. It's like, what? Did wait you a minute, see Kyle. the video of the Chiefs when they figured out that they decided to take the ball at the yeah. beginning of overtime? I, 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 and Kelsey were like, okay, yeah, go ahead no, and do it. Didi's in the chat. Purdy ain't winning anything. I sent you a screen capture. Like Purdy's numbers are almost identical to Jimmy Garoppolo, and Jimmy Garoppolo got to a Super Bowl, and his number one receiver was Kendrick Bourne. And I think he had a rookie Debo Samuel and Kittle was, was in his heyday. Like this is maybe the greatest collection of offensive weaponry that we've seen in the NFL. And you mentioned like an ice block. I think it's a house of cards with the older players. I think Trent Williams and Nick Bosa. I know Nick, Nick is an old numbers wise, but physically his, his body's been beaten up. Um, Armstead's an old player. Hardgraves is an old player. Greenlaw is out for the year. Now you fungus off a torn ACL. Uh, Kittle could be gone or Debo could be gone. Ayuk could be gone. Like one of those big three is going to be gone for them. And oh, by the way, McCaffrey's been hurt historically. Like, and he just had like 500 touches this year. Mm -hmm. This was the year for them to win it all. We said it every single week. The Niners have to win a Super Bowl this year. I don't, I think they're looking at like a, a divisional round loss or a wild card round loss next year. They just don't have, I don't think they're going to have the, the mojo. They have to play at home, too. You saw what happened to Brock Purdy when he played in the elements a little bit in Santa Clara and it was wet out. He couldn't compete. Mm -hmm. And then they lost to Cleveland this year. I mean, if they have to go on the road, like say what you want about Jimmy Garoppolo. He could go into Lambeau Field and win. He could win playoff games on the road. Brock Purdy is small. He has small hands. He has an average arm. <laughs> you, ha you have to put together, kind of like Kenny Pickett, you have to put together a one to two seed kind of season in the NFC to be able to support him. Cause if not, you put him on the road in hostile environment, he can't, he won't last. He won't. They're going to have to make a decision how much they want to pay Brock Purdy or, you know, Good, pay it, him everything. I mean, he, he didn't truly convince them until I want to say like late off season, last off season, like, even after the run he had as, as Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick in the draft, would he go seven and zero in the regular season and then won a playoff game? And uh, he, he still had to convince him that he was the guy. They bring in Darnold and look, you know, they they set themselves up for Brock to be the guy. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some rumblings this off season that they're they're looking at Kirk Cousins or, or that's always that be been cool. it's. Wouldn't that isn't it felt like it's always been Kirk for for Shanahan since their well, DC you, days? Well, didn't you like? Did you see this? We were at the Super Bowl or something. That like Kyle Shanahan told Tom Brady if he wanted to come out of retirement, he would be his starter. And then they told Brock like, if Brady comes out, you're the backup. But if not, you're going to be our starter. Did you hear something like that? Did I dream that? Was that a real thing? Chat, keep me honest. Like, I, I think that was a real thing that happened. Like, Brady, he wanted Brady. And if Brady wasn't available, they were going to roll with Brock. Yeah, I know Brock had his elbow issue, but here's the thing. You traded up for Trey Lance because you lost the Super Bowl to Mahomes and you said, we need a special player at quarterback. And then your quarterback busted hard, really hard, like couldn't play hard. And then you reverted back to what you had before in Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. And you got back to another Super Bowl and you lost to a special quarterback. Corey says he heard that story too. Yeah, it, it's a, he's a system quarterback and you win a lot of games, playoff games. They're the model NFC franchise, absolutely. But you're not beating special. And, like, people will scoff at this. Like, Kyler Murray is special at quarterback. Like, there's, you know, 10 to 12 guys in, in the NFL, special players that can win you Super Bowls, win you playoff games by themselves. Brock Purdy's not one of those players. 
Where he he was an indictment on the Niners in the playoffs. They should have lost against the Packers and the Lions. He had dropped interceptions. Come on. People are saying it's a real story. Yeah, he yeah. wanted Tom Brady. TB, TB12. Maybe we'll have you back up, Tom. Maybe who knows? I mean, they probably win the Super Bowl de- with Tom Brady. De- depending on depending on which way the wind blows or what how they perform in the last game. Like Shanahan, like the, the pressure is on. You can you can tr- it's gonna be interesting to see how Shanahan responds because how he's responded so far having the lead in the Super Bowl. He's 0 for 3 right now as an offensive play caller. Do you think it gets to the point where like the players in the locker room like look at Shanahan? They're like, can is this guy just going to choke it away again? Are we are we chokers with this guy, or do you think it's too naive because this guy gets us to the Super Bowl, so we love him? Do you think it's or somewhere in between? No, I think I think he still has the respect of those guys. I mean, it doesn't seem like he's got the respect of, of Brandon Ayuk, which is going to be a big problem because because you know Kittle and, and McCaffrey were as healthy as they possibly could be this entire season. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think it's Wayne. Like it's it's still. I think there's a lot of confidence and they just need to uh, they but they got a lot of work to do this offseason to to kind of shake off the 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 rust of of that that collapse in the Super Bowl another one Cardinals I mean I know they won no division games this year but I I mean we don't know what's going on with the Seahawks like you got to go to hope to make the postseason next year you got to find a way to win three divisional games I think yeah, I go five hundred yeah. in the NFC West. Depend, yeah. it doesn't matter who you beat. You could sweep the Seahawks and lose two of the Niners and split with with the Rams. You got to win three divisional games and then try to win six games, seven games outside of your division, and that's possible think, with their fourth place schedule. Yeah, I, I think you know it's possible you can go two and zero against Seattle, depending on you know what that organization looks like under new leadership. Should have should have beaten them twice this year. Yep. Uh, well, at least once, right? They should have been that game. That one. game, Gannon's defense in Seattle when they lost like twenty to ten, he was awesome. That he was in his bag. That was one of Dobbs's worst games. So if I, you, I, yeah, if you if you get Seattle say twice, and then you just need to beat you know one of between L.A. And, and San Francisco once, and you got three wins, you go five hundred in the division. I think it can happen. Uh, I'll tell you what can happen for you is uh, if you're looking for premium tickets at not a premium price, how about our friends at game time? You know, I was looking for a Valentine's day gift for that special someone in my life. And uh, she's not big on like materialistic items, but I tell you what, she loves experiences and uh, the game time app. They've got it from concerts to, you know, music venues, uh, comedy shows, and of course, sporting events. Game time is the place for the venerable household, PHNX, and you. And we're going to hook you up 20 bucks off your first purchase with the bonus code PHNX. And hell, that might cover most of your ticket. But on top of tickets, they do things like parking passes and flash deals. It is the most convenient, easy-to-use ticketing app I've ever used. Plus, get out the minutiae of all those added fees that are so prevalent on these other ticketing sites. They're going to hook you up. Game time right now. All you got to do, download the app, create an account, bonus code PHNX. Tell them PHNX Cardinals sent you. We're going to get you 20 bucks off. It's game time. Last minute tickets, Bo. Lowest price guaranteed. If you're still looking for Valentine's date spot, how about Gila River Resorts and Casino? You can do an overnight stay there. Go just play some table games, hit the, spl- the slots, or maybe just a nice dinner at one of their 
unbelievable resorts or casinos. You got Chula's Steakhouse. Uh, grab a cocktail, quit bite by the pool. It's a great experience for anybody who checks out Gila River Resorts and Casinos. Of course, we're out at Wild Horse Pass for away games this season. It's an unbelievable sports book. You can't beat it, what they have going on there. Find out how you can take your game to the next level. See what the next level is all about over at Gila River Resorts and Casinos. You do you at Gila River Resorts and Casinos. Visit playgila.com for more details. That's play at gilgila.com for more details. I mentioned it a couple different times. Uh, my mock draft 1.0 available right now for free at gophnx.com. And while you're there, become a diehard. Pick up a free hat and or shirt every single year. You are a diehard. I promise you it is worth it. For the gear alone, this is my favorite hoodie. It's the PHNX hoodie. I wear it on the reg. You should too. Again, go phnx.com. My mock draft bow, tons of engagement, tons of comments. Uh, I think the pick that I got most grief on was actually pick 35. As much as I love our guy, Darius Robinson out of Missouri, people wanted uh, Jackson Powers Johnson, the center from mm-hmm. Oregon, who's fantastic. So if you want to take issue with my mock, go Check it out. Leave a comment. Go phnx.com and, and become a diehard. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, you know, it's you, you can go out there and you can read a couple mock drafts. And you're like, man, these people have no clue what they're talking about. But uh, not our guy, Johnny Venerable. He was in his bag doing his two round NFL mock draft. You're 1.0. You got Caleb Williams, of course, going 1 1. And then you got Jaden Daniels going 1 2. And that's interesting because. It's like the the Patriots, like we heard Kendrick Bourne talk to Tom Curran, who you interviewed on on Radio Row last week, and he was all yeah. in on Jaden Daniels. Like, could the Patriots would would that be really why when they would des- decide like if Jaden Daniels is off the board at second overall, do they decide to trade out of three? And how does that could that muck up you know yeah. the Arizona Cardinals at four? Like, does Drake May somehow go from? This entire time being the second best quarterback in this draft to people like really kind of wishy-washy on and Drake May as a prospect. I don't think so. And here's why. Because we were told during the season that some teams had Drake May ahead of Caleb Williams um, based on the tape. And if you get to the offseason outside of just like Will Levis completely turning people off and the videos and the bananas and the mayonnaise and a lot of that stuff, like outside of the silly stuff, like nothing that they should, they should just reaffirm in the off season, what you see on tape. That's what the combine is for. I think Drake may is going to test very well. I think Drake may in the whiteboard one-on-one with teams. I think he's going to do really well. Um, that's not to say he's my favorite. I think he's third firmly third. I would take Jaden and Caleb over him, but I, I think if we're talking about Drake May falling past three and like into the middle of the first round or middle of the top 10, I should say, we're overanalyzing this. Like, no, he's he'd probably be a number one pick in some drafts. He's got an elite skill set. Like, say what you want. He's not our cup of tea or certainly mine. You can't teach his size, his ability, his arm strength, his mobility is a huge factor. Like, and like he's got some stuff to clean up. He's not a perfect prospect. Guess what? Caleb Williams is a perfect prospect. So I just happen to think Jaden Daniels to me fits, I think, a little bit more what the commanders want to do. And I just like his tape more. Like at the end of the right. day, like Jaden's, he's he's not small. 
and he's got elite physical traits. And if what happens if he runs like a four 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 at the combine? I mean, people are going to lose their minds. So, I I think all three quarterbacks are going to help themselves, and we're just going to be sitting here and and counting our stacks and cash and checks, figure yeah, not mean, literally but figuratively. The the question marks that that Drake May has, like he's going to be able be able to fool people in shorts for sure. Like people. Time will heal that wound. They won't remember that he struggled against Virginia and they struggled against NC State. Uh, you know, not the elite defenses this is the power five. And, you know, he's going to go out there and he's going to drop some dimes as pro day to Tez Walker. And people are going to be like, oh, I have amnesia about why I didn't really like this prospect and why Washington has now pivoted to, to Jaden Daniels. And I agree with you. Like it fits what Cliff would want to do offensively more so than May does. But yeah. there are teams that are still that have so much of conviction in Drake may that if it's not the Patriots, the Patriots will trade out. As we mentioned, it's either quarterback or trade out. They would trade out. And there's a team that would be more than willing to come up to get Drake may. I think may fits really well in new England though. Don't you like with his arm strength, the fact that he's an East coast guy already, his physical traits, that's somebody you can go to your fan base and say, this is our answer to compete with Josh Allen, not tomorrow, but eventually like we have watched our quarterbacks looking competent. Bailey Zappi, guys <laughs> like Mac Jones, average to below average physical skill sets get embarrassed. That's right. the opposite with both he, Jaden Daniels, and Drake May. So I and and that kind of brings me back to my original point. People will look at Bryce Young and what will they say? What is his elite physical skill set last year? We's not people foolishly, stupidly, and we said this compared him to Kyler Murray. No. Dummies. Kyler Murray went top 10 in two professional drafts. He has a, an right. elite arm, an elite arm, and he has elite mobility. Bryce Young's like an average athlete, and right. he just looks small. And he his accuracy, people, people are turned on by his accuracy. They thought okay. he was an a lot, I mean, right. Johnny Manziel was accurate. Baker Mayfield was accurate. These three quarterbacks atop the draft, what do they all have in common? They're big. They have huge arms. They're all incredibly mobile, elite athletes. One, two, three. You don't have to sit here and worry about Bo Nix and his noodle arm or Michael Penix and his injury history. <laughs> like, I, I, this has fallen into place so well for the Cardinals because you do not have to talk yourself into, I like this guy, but he's small. I like this guy, but, you know, his arm in New England, it could struggle. Drake May could, can rip it in cold weather. Now, who's it going to? TBD. But, I mean, Josh Allen had accuracy concerns. I, I think what people will say is Bryce Young – will scare people off from going undersized. That's not an issue this year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think either way these quarterback dominoes fall, it, it plays into the hands of the Arizona Cardinals and gets back to to where we were when we started the show. The Cardinals right now, favorites to land Marvin Harrison Jr. You'd love to see it. Uh, but some people get the Sean Payton vibes, but this is this seems more like it. it's not a pipe dream. It's not going to be like, I, like the Paul Rudd, and sitting there uh, saying, can, can you believe it? I can't believe it. You know, I mean, it, the Arizona Cardinals are in a prime position to to get themselves a, a true playmaker in Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, I see in the chat, um, Didi, respectfully disagree. We need a fourth quarterback to present himself. I think it's better for the Cardinals if a fourth quarterback doesn't emerge. I think it's great if, like, I, I think J.J. McCarthy is going to be drafted in the first round and, and God help that team that if he goes to the, to their franchise, but I think we want it to be so unequivocally that those three guys we mentioned, Williams, Drake may and uh, Jaden Daniels, 
that there is a sense of urgency, a panic from these other teams, either to trade up or from New England and the commanders to say, if we don't get a guy here, we're not getting anything. We're not getting anything that's comparable that's going to help us on Sundays. That's that's what we want. We want it's going to go perfectly aligned. I had somebody text me today in the know that's that's close to the situation, and they said we're not really going to get lucky enough for these three quarterbacks to go one, two, three. I said absolutely we are. That's I that is happening outside of somebody having an incident or a medical flare up. Like we're we're in the right direction, as as uh, your buddy at the combine said. Uh, what what was his name? Our guy, the inside. Oh, Tony Pauline. It's like mm-hmm. Sean Payton wants to come up to number three. Guess what? And it happened. Too expensive. I believe we booked our flights for the combine this year. It's it's you know we continue to own the off season. Everything that's uh, going to come out of Indy, we're going to hear it first here. So of course you want to be subscribed to PHNX Sports. You don't want to miss out on all the great content. We've already been to Mobile, as Johnny mentioned. We all we went already went to the Radio Row before the Super Bowl Fifty Eight. Up next, the NFL Combine, uh, where we're going to get a glimpse of these great prospects. Be really fascinated to see who's going to participate, what they're going to participate. You know, is is Caleb Williams going to throw? Is Drake May going to run the forty? What's Jaden Daniels going to do? Hopefully, he puts on a, the full display of of tests there. Marvin Harrison Jr. What are we going to get to see from him, and what are we going to see from the other wide receivers? But we will be there in Indy, see it live, and then report back to all you fine people out there. Uh, part of the PHNX Cardinals community. Uh, again, thoughts and prayers to everybody in Kansas City after today's horrific uh, mass shooting, uh, senseless yet happening again. Uh, everybody here, PHNX Cardinals, PHNX Sports, thinking of everybody in Kansas City. For Damon Dog behind the mic, Bob Brock, I'm Johnny Venerable. We're back on a Thursday. See ya.